0: Good morning, church family. David said my name. I'm Christina. I'm on staff here, and I also belong to the Carlsworld North Lifestyle Estate. I see a a number of us here this morning. We meet on Wednesday evenings, and if you'd like to know more, you can contact Eric Top. Our Bible reading this morning, Ezekiel 37, verses 1 to 14. The hand of the Lord was upon me. Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. and I will place you in your own land, then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. This is the word of God.
1: Thanks be to God. Thank you, Christina, for the Bible reading. Please keep your Bibles open to that verse, uh, that scripture. We're going to be looking at it under the theme of a new hope. Um, this is quite a well-known passage. If you don't know it, uh, by the end of today, uh, you will know it. It is a message of hope uh, that God preaches, uh, brings through his prophet Ezekiel to a people who are going through a hopeless time. And my prayer is that somebody who came in hopeless uh, would walk out uh, with much more hope. It is a timely message as we end of uh, 2023. So keep your Bibles open there. I'm going to pray for us that God will help us as we look into his word. So please bow your heads as I lead us in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you've seen us to, uh, to this day. As we look back at the last two years, it's been quite a challenge, Lord. Um, the threat of the COVID-19 pandemic, um, many who did not make it. And so we, we are truly thankful that uh, you preserved our lives, uh, but not only that, Lord, I know that there are many of us who uh, whose lives were turned upside down. Uh, there are many of us who are coming in weary and troubled and I do pray that you would revive us. There are many of us who come with our bones dry and hopeless. I do pray that you would intervene. Many of us have surrendered our lives to sin, and I pray that you would draw us back to yourself, uh, even as we hear your word this morning, so as treasure prayed we do pray that as your word is preached as uh, perishing souls would be saved uh, the name of our savior magnified and the whole church would be revived and it is in Jesus name that we pray amen amen um, I wonder how many of us remember those uh, those words like sent through the hour at last so are the days of our lives You know, I thought even at the 8 o'clock, I thought it was just black women who watched that show. But clearly, uh, every single uh, family here in South Africa watched that show. Uh, Come 6.30, uh, those words would ring uh, at the back uh, on our TVs. Like, send through the outlaws, so are the days of our lives. As kids, we knew that this was time to close the books homework was done, it was time to now enjoy family time uh, as we watch TV. Uh, Those were the opening lines of a famous soap series uh, called Days of Our Lives. Uh, Days of Our Lives was uh, a depiction of life in its mess, in its beauty, and the juicy parts of life. Uh, I wonder if you remember that. My aunt loved that show. My aunt made sure that we watched their show. I ended up loving the show. I grew up with the show. We grew up with the characters. Um, and we almost became one with those characters uh, as, uh, as we grew older. Whenever someone would die, we would feel connected to them, We would feel sad. Whenever someone got married, we were excited uh, about it. Uh, that was us and uh, days of our lives. Do you guys remember that lady called Sammy? Samantha Brady, we all hated her for being a home wrecker, but we loved her uh, for the juicy uh, um, pass that she brought to the show. Like, send through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. What does that mean? Uh, what does it mean? It means that life is short, uh, life fades away, and as send passes through the hourglass, um, the days of our lives pass, um, pass by. I brought a, an hour last or 15 minutes last um, this morning for for the kids. Um, this was how, what they used to tell time before there was Apple Watch. Uh, when Martin was in um, in primary school, uh, this is this is what they used. Um, and On and on it goes. I think this one is approximately 15 minutes. You tilt it and sand goes down this last. On and on it goes. It is a picture of our lives as you breathe in and out this morning, your life is wasting away, I'm sorry to tell you that, uh, on, a, on a Sunday morning like this. Life goes, and sometimes in life we wish that we can take this sand and kind of push it up, but it is impossible to do so. Uh, the minutes that pass, you can never relive uh, those moments. On and on, life goes. A sand passes through the hourglass, so it is with the days of our lives. And I also brought it here so that you can time me as we preach. Um, So it's 15 minutes. Uh, When we tilt it, you know that we are halfway through the sermon. Amen. As Stan passes through the hourglass. It is such a wonderful picture of life, isn't it? Uh, That life goes on just like that. Uh, That life is fleeting. Uh, Time flies. Uh, Time flies. You fall in love in varsity. Uh, Then you go and knocking at the door of your beloved uh, spouse, and then you go pay Lobola, you get married, and then with marriage, uh, God blesses you with children, with children comes the school drop-offs, um, they are relentless, my son is starting grade one next year, now many parents who have done this, who have kids who are older tell you that it goes by just like that, it doesn't feel like that when you are in the moment, when you are arguing with a, a little one to eat, uh, it doesn't feel like that, but time flies, doesn't it? Uh, Between the homeworks, uh, the school recitals, on and on it goes. As sand passes through the hourglass, so the days of our lives uh, pass by. Soon the kids go off to varsity. But here's the thing that happens as you are distracted with raising children, is that there's also this thing called corporate essay. Corporate essay has us by the neck. Uh, As sand passes through the hourglass, we try to navigate our way through corporate essay. Uh, the promotions, uh, the work trips, uh, the politics that you have to navigate, um, you're looking forward to those, aren't you, uh, as the new year comes. Uh, the politics of Corporate SA, as uh, then passes through the hourglass, on and on life goes. As you're trying to survive Corporate essay, there's also the drama of the extended family, you don't have to raise your hand if you're experiencing that, <laughs> the Lord will rescue you, amen, <laughs> from the drama of uh, the extended family, as you survive that, uh, there's also marriage, uh, this thing called marriage, and you trying to just hold on uh, for dear life as you go through marriage, they told you it's going to be fantastic, um, they lied to you, um, on and on, life goes. As you try to survive marriage, there's also your relationship with God that is somewhat struggling. Uh, as you gave your life to Jesus many moons ago, you thought, man, I'm going to have a thriving relationship with Jesus, uh, but life shows you flames. Um, you're trying to push back against uh, the culture of living in Midland. It's a lot, isn't it? Um, somebody might say, well, I don't really... To relate to the kids part of it or the marriage part of it. Maybe you've been praying to God that he would give you a spouse. You have everything. Uh, you have the career and the money, uh, but you don't have somebody to share it with. Uh, and so uh, you are, you are experienced in life as well, but you feel stuck in your life. Uh, but life is going on. As son passes through that hour, last life goes on, and it is a lot. But here's the thing that I think um, characterizes all of us, our experience, is that all of us experience pushback in life. Uh, we all experience some kind of pushback. As sand passes through this glass, we experience pushback uh, from life. Now, if you were to admit it, we, we don't start off life like that. We don't start off life thinking that it will be challenging, don't we? We start Life like, I don't know if you've ever spoken to a first year varsity student. They are so hopeful, especially in the, in the first week uh, during orientation. They have dreams, they have plans to conquer life, uh, to be a millionaire by the age of 25, uh, to go, go big or go home, have a perfect family, marriage, and perfect life. Uh, and if they're Christian, they think they're going to have the perfect Christian life. Um, But life doesn't happen that way. It doesn't always fall uh, uh, into our plans, does it? Um, Mike Tyson once said when he was asked, I and Mike Tyson, he was asked about his opponent who had the plan to defeat him. And he said, well, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Um, So that's the reality of life, isn't it? That we all have a plan until it punches us in the face. And when that happens, one of the things that creeps in is the, this deep sense of hopelessness. We run out of hope in life. We surrender ourselves to despair. And this is what this despair looks like if you are a Christian living in Midland. Uh, maybe you married, you've been married for 25 years. And your husband uh, that you love uh, told you he was a Christian. But you discovered three years into it that he had no interest whatsoever in Christianity. In the fourth year, you had to come to the realization that you'll be married to someone who does not love Jesus. And so that's the reality. And what you do is that you, like a Christian, deep, um, committed Christian woman, you hold the fort at home. You bring the kids to church a uh, Sunday in, Sunday out, you hold the spiritual fort in your home. But it gets weary, doesn't it? It gets tiring after 25 years. So you start losing hope, and that's the reality. You start losing hope. You start thinking to yourself, man, I know that God can transform lives, but I don't think he can transform this man. Uh, you start losing hope, and that hopelessness begins to cripple you. Maybe you've been, um, you've been uh, a Christian for over 40 years, and life gets harder and harder for you as a Christian. Perhaps you are a guy who's successful in the, in the corporate space, and it is just hard and hard to live for, for Jesus. Um, the reality of corporate space is that the weekend ways, become hook-up sessions where married people sleep with married people, and you're just finding it difficult to remain a Christian. Things are tough at home, and you're just thinking, man, I've been offered so many times uh, and offer to just break the covenant, uh, and it begins, it begins to look, uh, look more attractive. And so the, 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 the desire to, to disobey becomes crippling to you. You begin to become hopeless. Perhaps you've been alive for many moons. I see gray hairs in our midst. I'm not going to point where. Um, and, and the thing about being alive is that, uh, again, this sense of hopelessness creeps in especially when you look at not just your personal life, but life in South Africa. Uh, there are many states of abuse, there are many states of murder, um, like we've seen in the news recently. And so you begin to think to yourself, man, I, I I'm a Christian, but I, I'm just in this country for the paycheck. If I could afford it, I'll be out of here. Uh, That's a deep sense of hopelessness that creeps in into our lives. Uh, maybe you battle depression, an abusive relationship, or you lost your job. That's the experience of many people in our country. Maybe you have a job, you have all the money in the world, but things at home with your kids are just tough. Uh, they don't like you. Uh, they've been raised by your money, and all they, they ever wanted was a relationship with you, and you've lost hope in reviving that relationship Uh, with them. Life is pushing back. It is punching us, if we were to be honest, uh, in the face. uh, As sin passes through that outlaws, there is this looming sense of hopelessness. And so as we end off 2023, I wonder what God would say to us uh, as people who experience that hopelessness. Um, He would say that we ought to be, as Christians, people of hope. He would say to you, if you are struggling, that you have a God that you can run to when you are running out of hope. You have a God that you can run to when you are running out of hope. And that was the message that Ezekiel came bringing to uh, his people. If you still have your Bibles open in Ezekiel 37, this is the message of hope for a hopeless nation. As Ezekiel experiences hopelessness in his own personal life, and in, uh, on a national level, life is throwing punches uh, at him. And God's message of judgment is, um, is on his lips, uh, but also the message of hope that he goes on to preach for about 20 years. Uh, as you read commentators, they tell you that uh, on the personal front, Ezekiel is the man who had it all and lost it all. He was a typical middle class, upper middle class kid went to a private school, trained in the ways of uh, the priest, he had his life set uh, for him. He was going to become a priest, he was going to minister in Jerusalem to God's people. And so his future looked bright until that day that the Babylonians came to invade. Until that day when the, the rug, as the English say, was uh, uh, pulled from under his feet. Uh, he lost everything. He lost his home. He lost the security of being in Jerusalem. He and other gentlemen were shipped off as the elite of society to Babylon to reindoctrinate them and to conquer them as the nation and to destroy any hope of them ever rebuilding themselves as a nation. So he was experiencing this. To make matters worse, if you read chapter 24... Ezekiel experiences one of the toughest things that I think any person can experience, the loss of a spouse. Uh, He loses uh, his wife. To make matters worse, he has to go on prophesying as if nothing happened. He has to go on as if he hadn't lost uh, anyone. Uh, One commentator says that he, Ezekiel, experienced the the judgment of God to the fullest except for death itself. And the question whether anything lay ahead for a people of Yahweh was a personal matter to him. Uh, it was personal for Ezekiel. In chapter 1, verse 1, he begins to prophesy. If you have your Bibles, turn there to chapter 1, verse, verse 1. We are told this is around 590 BC. In the 13th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, I was, as I was among the exiles by the, by the Chebar Canal, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. He begins to prophesy ten or thousand rather kilometers away from home. Uh, he's caught up with, uh, with the exiles far from his, his home. I don't know if you know those words. He must have been penning those words from Psalm 137. Uh, This is not Bonnie M's lyrics, it is Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon we sat down and wept, as we remembered Zion. There by the poplar trees we hung our harps and lyres. Our captors, our tormentors, asked us for songs, demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing songs of the Lord when we are in a foreign land? This is what Ezekiel is feeling as he is in a foreign land. How can I sing about the joy of God in this situation? It was personal, and it was deeply personal to him. But his experience was the experience of any ordinary Jew, whether it was those who were left at home or those who went on and were shipped into exile. Uh, It was a tough time for them. A commentator says, Walter Brueggemann, he's a New Old Testament scholar. He says that exile was not simply displacement from the land, but it was the experience of the exhaustion of salvation history, the demise of king, temple, city, land, and all those, all those supports which gave structure and meaning to life. Everything that gave structure and meaning to life to God's people was taken away, and they found themselves in a hopeless place. And so, um, nearly said Jesus, Ezekiel uh, brings this message of hope in this hopeless time. Uh, Just a brief structure of this book is that verses 1 to 24, Ezekiel prophesies that judgment is coming. Uh, Judgment is coming upon God's people. Chapters 25 to 32, uh, he goes on to pronounce judgment on different nations, Uh, so God's judgment on different nations. And then chapters 33, there's a transition there where God begins to give them a hope. And chapter 34 to 38, which is where our passage is found, is the promise of God's restoration. How are we doing with time? I'm halfway through. Somebody shout amen. amen. This is a New Year's Eve sermon. We don't want to take long. Amen. Martin preached for 50 minutes. That man loves preaching. Um, chapters um, thirty. 4 to 40 to 48 is this promise. Chapters 36, God promises uh, that he will restore his people, their hearts, uh, so that they would be obedient to him. And then uh, chapters uh, 37, which we find uh, here this morning, is a restored, a restored hope. Have a look at verse 1. Uh, verse 1 is Ezekiel prophesying a message of hope in this section. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out, of, out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and be, behold, they were very dry. Uh, Such powerful imagery. Somebody from the 8 o'clock asked uh, whether or not this actually happened. I'm not sure. I don't think it happened. I think as we read, it says it's a vision. So Ezekiel, God shows him a vision of something that uh, that is happening. It is vivid imagery. Uh, It is uh, considered apocalyptic literature, which means that it is the opening up of the curtain, uh, that when we see reality from earth, it may look hopeless, but what apocalyptic literature does is that it opens up uh, the curtain for us to see things from the reality of God. And so Ezekiel sees things from God's reality, and he sees this valley of dry bones. Uh, If you were to walk uh, the... Bushes of the Northwest, you'd know that whenever there's bones, it means that there was death there. Uh, There was death. If it is still fresh, there will be vultures roaming around. Do yourself a favor and see this gruesome thing called the sky burial uh, from Tibet. Uh, What they do is how they bury their dead is that they uh, embalm them and they put them on the mountain for the vultures to chow. And then they take those dry bones and they chop them up on a field. It is, it is a gruesome sight. And, and the exiles would have experienced this as they had dry bones. They would have had imagery of them being killed in the wilderness or soldiers massacred as the Babylonians um, invaded them. Uh, and not only is, this, is it a valley of dry bones which represents death, but of bones rather, but they are dry. They were very dry, and dryness represents uh, this that this situation had been going on for quite a long time. It was a hopeless uh, situation, and Ezekiel has to walk among. These bones, uh, as he sees this vision, as God shows him this hopelessness. Uh, jump over to verse 3. So our imagery introduces us to this valley of dry bones. But the God of the Christian story is a God who doesn't leave his people in this hopelessness. Uh, Verse 3, we see him intervening uh, as he speaks to his word to Ezekiel. Verse 3, and he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord to to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath on you. And you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. Can these bones live in verse uh, verse 3, I think that is such a trick question, isn't it? Of course they can't live, God. Of course dead bones don't come to life. It is a hopeless situation. How can you even ask me that question? Uh, but Ezekiel answers it quite well, doesn't he? He says, oh Lord, you know, you are the creator of all, all things. Now commentators tell us that this question wasn't so much uh, the question of uh, whether these bones can come to life. The question for the exiles was not whether Israel was dead, nor whether God can raise the dead. The question was, does God intend to raise the dead? Uh, so the question that God is asking Ezekiel, the creator of the universe, is that do you think I intend on raising these bones? Uh, it is the question of does God care? Uh, does he intend to save his people. And I think that's one of the deepest questions that the twenty first century is asking. Previously, in the modern era, people used to ask the question, uh, like, does God exist? Uh, but in our day and age, people want to know, does God care about us? Does God care about me? I know that He's powerful. I know that He can do all these things. But does He care about the details of my life? And perhaps you've asked yourself that question as a Christian. How does God care about my life? Verse 7, indeed, he does care. Uh, He does care because he intervenes. Uh, Not only is he powerful, but he is willing to save. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling. And the bone came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them. And flesh had come upon them. The skin had covered them but there was no breath. I'd be terrified at this uh, this time if I was ministering and God would tell me, go minister to bones and here I am uh, by the, the this valley. And then you hear the sound, uh, all the bones coming together. Perhaps that guy's foot was on the other side and his body is there and, and they, it's coming together. Uh, as the old preachers used to say, uh, toe bone to foot bone, foot bone to leg bone, leg bone to hip bone. Have you ever heard that? on and on it goes uh, these bones come together uh, and God restores uh, this, this army uh, God brings about uh, a restoration to a hopeless situation but it still remains hopeless uh, there's a problem uh, this, uh, these bodies have, have flesh on them but there was no breath on them and so we see the second uh, act of God in verse 9 Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, or at other translations say the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four, four, four winds, O breath, and breathe on this lane, that they may live. So I prophesied, and he commanded, as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. You see, the God of the Bible, as we read Ezekiel is a great God. Uh, He's a God who brings hope in a hopeless situation. He's a God who brings life where there is death. He's a God who brings an an army of soldiers uh, where there is a valley of dry bone, who brings victory out of defeat. Uh, He's a God who's both willing and able to bring uh, us to life. Now, I wonder what you think as you read that. I wonder what you think it means. What what is the significance of this? Um, back when I was uh, in a tent uh, in a church, um, you guys have been to a, a church in a tent. Um, you need to experience it if you if you haven't. It it is fire. In fact, they shout fire the whole time. <laughs> um, one guy was 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 preaching and he was basically making the text about us, that sometimes you need to speak to your finances and say, may these bones come to life, amen, prophesy to these dry, uh, dry bones. Maybe your finances are dry bones. That's not funny, is it? Uh, that is the reality, isn't it? Perhaps it's your marriage. Prophesy to this uh, so that they can live. Uh, and so on and on, sometimes we apply this uh, to our own lives, and we make it about us. And, and there's some truth to that. Uh, But it's not the entire truth. Some evangelical Christians uh, read this and say, well, this is a picture of the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, This is the picture of what God does in Jesus. And in some ways, that is true. Um, But in the context of our passage, what we are actually learning about is the God of the Christian story. That he's a God who brings, uh, who's both willing, who has the power and the willingness to restore his people. And we see that in the explanation. Have a look at verse 11. This is the explanation of the vision that um, Ezekiel sees. God explains it to, uh, to him. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Verse 12, therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you. That is, again, we see the mighty working of God's spirit, and you shall live and I will place you in your land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Uh, This was God's hope to a powerless nation, to say to them, I'm going to restore you. In the the verses that follow, he uses another picture of two sticks, uh, which represent the northern and southern kingdom. And God says, I'm going to put them back together, and they will become one nation. And as you read the story of the Bible, we know that in the Lord Jesus, God fulfills those promises as he brings together his people to, to become uh, his, his own. So the teaching that we have here is the teaching of God's willingness and power to restore. And that teaching runs across scripture. Um, a theologian by the name of Gowan says that Uh, The story of the Old Testament is the story of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Death through exile and the promise of a resurrection. And so as we end off, God wants us to remember that we have a God that we can run to when our hope runs out. And he is that God who is both powerful and willing uh, to save us. I'm going to end it with quick three points. Uh, Don't panic. As you can see, the time is going. Amen. Amen. The points, the quick points are that hope comes from God. Our hope comes from God. Our hope, hope rather, is an integral part of the Christian life. And lastly, hope is the only thing that we have as we enter 2024. Number one, hope comes from God. There is clear in our passage that He is the source. Of all hope, He brings dead things to life. As we read throughout Scripture, He brings the Lord Jesus back to life. And if you look at your life and you think that there's any area that God cannot bring to life, well, look at Jesus. God brings is has a tendency of bringing dead things uh, to life. So there is hope for us. If He can do something as difficult as raising an army, as raising Jesus from the dead, surely. He can do wonders in your life. He can resurrect uh, your life. Uh, maybe you have lost all hope and sin has you by the neck. Uh, Jesus says, I can transform you. And uh, sin is going to, is not going to have the last say in your life. Uh, God promises us that uh, throughout Scripture. When we look at God, we can have this sure promise that our hope comes from him. And J.R. makes a nice statement. Um, kind of a contrast between optimism. <laughs> Some Christians out there live with optimism. You, you speak to them and they always, they're always thriving. How are you, my brother? I'm blessed. Uh, there's a guy in varsity who used to be like that. France, you ask him, how are you doing? I'm blessed. Um, and that's like, sometimes optimism, cause that's, I'm like, I'm sometimes blessed, but that's not life, right? I, I, I experience pushback. I wonder if you experience pushback. And sometimes we don't have to fall into this thing uh, called optimism. J.R. Packer says optimism is a wish, with, is wish, a wish without warrant. Christian hope is a certainty guaranteed by God Himself. Uh, God guarantees. Uh, the things will go well. Optimism reflects ignorance as to whether good things will eventually come. Christian hope expresses knowledge that every day of his life and every day, every moment beyond it, the believer can say with truth on the basis of God's own commitment that the best is yet to come. You and I can say the best is yet to come, no matter what life throws our way, because we know that the best can only come because of Jesus. We are not Ezekiel standing there having to prophesy. God has done it all for us. Sin will not have a last say in our lives. Death itself will not have the last last say in our lives. Uh, We can look to God for our hope and um, our trust. That is part of what the Christian story is about, which brings us to our second quick point, uh, which is that hope is part of the Christian life. Uh, as you read scripture, in fact, very often we are commanded to be hopeful people, to live in this world uh, as hopeful people. Peter says to Christians who are living in uh, Asia Minor, who are living, as he says, in the exile, he says that they must be people of hope, despite the circumstances around them. Uh, somebody say, "Landed it, brother. Lend it, brother. The, the, the time is done. We are about to land this plane. Amen. Peter says in uh, to the Christians, he says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hopes on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed in his coming. He says that Christians live in between the event of the cross and the resurrection. Uh, Jesus rose again, and we live awaiting the return of Jesus. So we can have this sure hope, and we can live with this as part of our Christian life. Hope is at the center of our lives and he writes put it beautifully He says to hope for a better future in this world for the poor the sick and the lonely and depressed for the slaves the refugees the hungry and homeless for the abused, the paranoid the downtrodden and despairing and in fact for the whole wide wonderful and wounded world it is not something else it is not something extra something to be tacked on to the gospel as an afterthought it is part of the gospel Christians are are to be people of hope because we look to the God of hope. That when we run out of hope, we can run to the God of hope. And as we land it, I want to say that hope is the only thing that we have in 2024. Hope is the only thing that we can hold on to. Uh, A few years back, another prophet, self-proclaimed prophet, his name is Shepard Bushiri, (laughs) stood before people in 2019 and said, he, like Ezekiel, saw the vision of what God was doing. He looked into 2020, February, March, April, May, and he saw that it was going to be a great year. Do you remember that? (laughs) Well, we all know what happened in 2020. He didn't see that far clearly. Um, he lied to God's people. He gave them a false sense of hope. And very often, uh, Christian faith and Christian church is filled with those kind of messages. Now, I want to say this morning that I, can, I cannot promise you that things will go well. They may. Uh, in fact, the Bible promises us that life will push back against us. Uh, but when life pushes back against us, when we run out of hope, we have a God that we can run to. Amen. Let me pray for us that He will help us uh, this um, this morning. Our heavenly Father, we thank you for this Your timeless Word. The flower fades; the grass withers, but Your Word endures forever. Uh, the same Word that You spoke to the exiles—a uh, Word of restoration—is the same Word that we receive is the same word that we know is complete and is fulfilled in Jesus Christ, our only hope. And I pray, Lord, that uh, this year, this coming year, we would look to him for hope, uh, that no matter what life throws at us in our joys, in our struggles, when life pushes back against us and punches us in the face, may we hold on to Jesus and the hope that he's achieved for us. Father, there are many who are even fearing the uh, just the imminence of of death, and we do pray for them that they, that Christ, as we sang this morning, would be their hope in both life and in death. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, who has achieved this all for us. Uh, thank you that we can look to Him. Uh, thank you that as we enter 2024, uh, we can uh, have this sure hope that You are with us and that sin and brokenness will not have the last say because it never had the last say in your son, Jesus Christ. So please be with us and aid us uh, as we enjoy the rest of our day. Through Christ our Lord we ask. Amen.